Welcome to This Isn't About Me, a podcast that's not entirely about me. I'm your host, Leanne Velke, and in this podcast, I aim to have deep conversations with cool people I know. Each week, I bring you a new voice with a new story and new perspective to share. If you resonate with what you hear, make sure you hit subscribe and feel free to head on over to Instagram to follow me at Leanne Velke. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, welcome to another episode of This Isn't About Me podcast. And I'm very, very excited today to be joined by my fun, hilarious, super sweet friend, Tara. Um, And I'm going to let her introduce herself in a second. But um, I was trying to remember the other day when we actually met, if it was in a Facebook group before Shine? Or was it, did we know each other before we met in person in Kelowna at Shine Live? That was my question. Oh, geez, that's a good question. Cause I was gonna say we met in person in New York. No, we already knew each other then, I thought. Didn't we? Oh, no, we did meet I there. I think we met in New York. Yeah, we met in the elevator. You're right. That was our first time meeting, right? yes oh we okay. met in new york at yes. soul sparkle with yes. Haley, and um i drank all the champagne that was available that <laughs> night i don't think Haley was delighted and i was very loud and you found me very entertaining it was so yes. much fun which hotel were you at we're at the plaza, we're at the plaza. and we met in the hotel in the, in the, lo- in the elevator yes mm-hmm. <laughs> okay that's yes, what it was. and Haley, I Haley, I'm positive did not appreciate me, but I had such a fun time. Oh well, I clearly had a fun time too because here we are, uh, almost five years later, still talking and still enjoying yeah. each other's company and still laughing our pants off with each other. So I'm glad we met in the elevator that night. And yes. Would love for you to feel free to introduce yourself a little bit, quick little overview of you before we dive into all the uh, good stuff about okay. good stuff well, about who Tara is. Um, hi there. I <laughs> am Tara Leduke. I have lived 14 past lives in this current present life. I now live in the Yukon. I'm back almost in my hometown, an hour away from my mom, who is elderly and turning 90 this year. I am a a mentor and teacher of intuition and also a wealth building coach because I have been financially free for many years, 15 years, because I've made wise and lucky investments in real estate. Mm, I so like that's it. who I am. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, also, of note, your mom is like a super badass. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> she's a hearty, and, badass woman, as I recall from a previous conversation. Yukon yes. woman. Yeah, my mother is um, deranged. She, <laughs> she, she is. Well, now that COVID's over, she's back to competing and orienteering. She is 
internationally ranked for her age category in orienteering, which is a map uh, using maps and heading through the forest. And there she is, like, you know, little gray hair. She's, she uses readers <laughs> that are like four times, um, what do you call it? Magnified. I'm like going through all the videos. Thank you. I was like, <laughs> reflection. No, no. Anyways. Yeah. So she uses like 4X readers to read her maps because they're teeny tiny. And then away she goes. And she's she's only five foot two, or she was when we last measured her. She's little. And away she goes through the forest. And you best not tell her she can't do anything because she will tell you, you are wrong. <laughs> and she's like, at age 76, she was a world champion. She's regularly North American champion. Yeah. And like last summer, she went to the Canada, what do they call it? The plus 65 games, I think they're called. They Ooh. used to be the seniors games. And uh, so, yeah, last year at age 89, she started learning how to dragon boat. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm obsessed with your mom. She's so cool. everyone's obsessed with my mom <laughs> I wish I knew her in real life but what I know about her I'm like she is such a badass and mm -hmm. clearly yeah, she's where you get it from <laughs> uh, well as my friend Dana always used to say if you plant a potato you get a potato <laughs> oh, my God. oh man all right. Well, thank you for being here and for being open to sharing your your journey and your heart with us. And so you mentioned you've lived 14 lives in this lifetime. So I say we just dive into that and mm. tell me tell me all the things. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. So I was born and raised in the Yukon, which uh, for your American, for anybody who doesn't know, this is just east of Alaska. So I'm a long way north. And yeah, what was, what is that like to grow up there? Were there other kids there that like grew up with you? <laughs> I picture it being like so remote. It's just igloos and dog sleds, man. <laughs> <laughs> What is life even up there? I see your pictures and it's like a lot of just land and landscape. <laughs> that like, is correct. Oh, how well, many people also, live up there? Okay. So growing it's up, very cold I think, and it snows all the time. Okay. Well, and apparently this is going to be Mythbuster episode <laughs> for all the Southerners. Yeah. We, okay, we don't yeah. have cell phones and we <laughs> communicate by smoke signals. And yeah. anyway, educate so. me on living in the Yukon. Okay, so when I grew up here, it was a town of, I think it was 15,000, 18,000 by the time I graduated high school. My grad class was, I want to say 180. Oh, wow. So tiny, tiny. That's yeah, bigger like, than my graduating class. And I right? was the biggest so class just, to ever go through Yeah, so town. cool your jets over there. Of, <laughs> I'm so isolated. Settle down. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is going to be a whole episode of us just laughing. I feel terrible for everybody who has to listen to this. No, it's fun to listen to laughter. I know. It's I joyful. It. This is why uh, I love our conversations. Okay, shh, let me talk. And so I was um, actually, interestingly enough, I graduated with the top grades in the Yukon, which was just, uh, just show up and go to class really was 
how I did it. And I was one of those kids who was involved in everything. I was on, you know, the grad council in the yearbook and I was in concert band after school and stage band in the morning. And I, all, and I had a job teaching swimming after school and on Saturday mornings. And I was just one of those people who was, I just like to be busy all the time and I'd mm-hmm. go home to go to sleep. Yeah. You're a busy and, lady. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of my jamming packing lifestyle that I'm trying to undo in my fifties. <laughs> and uh, I went out to university of British Columbia at age 17. So I'm a December baby. So I was young mm. and I was cocky as all young people are. Mm-hmm. And, um, so at that time, there were, I think there were 35,000 people in the entire Yukon Territory, and there were 40,000 people on campus at wow. UBC. <laughs> um, so ginormous shocker. I didn't really flourish. It was a massive shock to me to find out that um, I was not actually necessarily very smart. Like there were, when you show up in a university where there's so many smart people, I was just, I don't know, pretty One average, crowd. which is yeah. a, well, and that's a disappointing thing to find out at 17. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to learn that sometime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was, that was We're sad. Not as so I didn't flourish. We, think we are. No. <laughs> and yet we are. Yeah, you are special. I mean, we are. You're yes. diamond. Yes, we both are, but yeah in the grand scheme of the of the thing right it's like yeah yeah just an average person yeah and had I had I been competing against high school students in a province of one or two million I would not have had top grades but oh well anyway okay hey take it it is is. while you can it is what it is why not absolutely so uh so I spent a long time at school because it was fun and it was interesting. Uh, after that first year, I was obligated to take a year off. And so I actually spent five months traveling across Asia solo at mm. age 19. Wow. Mm-hmm. I went Hong Kong to London overland wow. at 19. Mm-hmm. So smokes. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, well, they raise them wild up here. <laughs> My husband is like, I think he maybe thought I was a little wild when we were down south, but now that we're up here and he's starting to meet the people that I grew up with, he's like, oh, it makes so much oh, sense. That's just how they are. <laughs> um, one of our one of our neighbors who I went to school with, like, just so you know how normal I am for here and how not wild <laughs> how much all the potatoes are here uh Michelle Michelle was uh the best figure skater growing up and she was so pretty and so coordinated and elegant she was the popular girl growing up and in her early 20s she met a dude in the bush and he had dog teams and she liked it and she thought it was fun. And she is like an internationally successful dog musher. Wow. Yeah. Cool. She's So she's the same age as me. She would be 54, which is pretty old for doing such a physical job. 
and she's out like in the in the true wilderness like I have power right I have running water and she's in the legit true wilderness 24 hours a day racing with her team of dogs wow she competes in the Iditarod and the Yukon Quest like she does thousand mile races with her dogs oh my god it's incredible cool that's so cool yeah yeah and I had no idea it's like a massive endurance sport she can I I did a race with her last like a running race a running relay in the fall and I found out that she could just have a have a big dinner and run a full marathon tomorrow like that's just the that's the fitness she maintains all the time that's insane yeah so this is not about me apparently I'm telling you about (laughs) my mother and there's Michelle the thing is it's not about me it's about whoever else wants to be part of it (laughs) Apparently I'm following the theme. It's not about me either. (laughs) Anyway, so there I was at college and then university and I eventually got a degree in soil science and agriculture. Like nobody saw that coming. What? Right? Like look at your little fratty face. You're like, what? (laughs) What? Well, I thought you you were gonna say like no, I thought you were gonna say like economics or something. No, economics is something I'm not good at. <laughs> it's one of those subjects I'm not very good at. I am. No, I. I. At university, I kept changing my major. My boyfriend at the time teased me that I had a degree in second year because I kept changing my major. I spent four years in second year and I kept changing, I mean, flipping around. But this is part of. Okay. Sorry. Not, yeah, no, good. Not to waylay the story because we'll come back. Mm-hmm. But this is part of, I have such an issue now with college and like this pressure to go to college. And I say all the time that I kind of hope my kids don't unless they're mm-hmm. really like passionate about like being a doctor or being a teacher or something you actually really need a degree for. Because Agreed. otherwise it's just like, it's, it's a glory, like a very expensive entryway mm-hmm. into being an adult where you just live in a dorm with a bunch of people your same age. I had an idea years ago to just own a dorm and just let the kids like do college, but not mm-hmm. with the classes and the costs where they go to work, but they all live together and that learn how to live. I- that's a fun idea. Yeah, so someone um, feel free to invent that oh, because I'm like, like every kid should at a minimum do a gap year. Yeah. Right? Or start in a community college and do a little dabbling. Yeah, I took a year off too. Um everyone should. And how in that you, year I nannied possibly? for kids and I was like, I do not see there you go. Get knocked up <laughs> or have kids after that. <laughs> see, there it is. But yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because I mean, I Mm -hmm. went to, I took a year off and I went to three colleges before I finally like was able to really get my shit together and graduate and be done. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. about to finally pay off my loan like this September (sighs) and I'm 37 years old. Right. And it's like, why are we, why I get why we did it. 
but I'm like, why are we now? Is that like the only course of that um, people have a future in? It's like, come on, like, what are we doing right now? You know, mm-hmm. drives me crazy. And it's funny to hear your story. Like, similarly, oh. it's like, do, you could have just not wasted that time and money and like gone and well, done a million other Luckily things. in Canada, uh, school is more expensive now, but. I came out after all those million years debt-free because I used to get good summer jobs and I learned how to be good with money pretty early. I was raised with good money skills. Yeah. That's something we could talk about for a while. Um, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about good money skills. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because this is something I'm really passionate about actually. And it's, it's not that exciting, but it's like, it's make or break for your life. It is so I guess in a way actually. it is exciting. <laughs> so I was, I was raised, I, my mom was a, my mom was a retired physician. So we were not short of cash, but my mom is, is pretty frugal. Anything we wanted to do for school or a course, I like, because there weren't many people up here, I did lots of I used to go with girl guides or pathfinders and go to different provinces and go across the country. And I went even to an international camp in Scotland and mom was always on board with that kind of thing. I was a competitive swimmer when I was little. She was on board with swimming and coaching and traveling for swimming, right? Like that was, and similarly, when I was in band, she was on board with buying instruments, right? Like all of that kind of stuff, we were not short of money. So that was, she would never blink an eye about wanting to do that. But as a little girl, she used to give me a dollar a week allowance, right? When you're, your kids are little, like they probably still think a dollar is like, wow, a dollar. Mm-hmm. And so when I was little, as, as, so first I, got a hamster. I saved up and I got a hamster and, but she didn't just let me off the hook. I had to get the hamster. I had to get the cage. I had to get shavings. I had to get the food. So it took me months and months and months and months to save up for this little guy. And I think a hamster probably costs three or $4, but if it takes you a month to save for that, (laughs) and then another 25 bucks for stuff, like it took me most of a year to save for this. I'm used to go see the hamsters in the store (laughs) And this taught me delayed gratification and it really teaches pride in your own accomplishments. Mm -hmm. When you wait for something, when you earn it like that, it's a pretty big deal when you Mm -hmm. get the hamster. Mm -hmm. And of course, then I became entrepreneurial as all tiny children are. And I was like, I'm going to get another one and they're going to have babies and I'm going to sell the babies and I was convinced that someone in the pet store told me they would buy my babies. So, so I like rolled up there one day after I bought hamster, hamster number two. No, I'd gotten into gerbils at that point, you know, versify my holdings. As we do. Yes. So I had gerbils and I show up with these like baby gerbils. Oh, you're going to, you said you would buy them off me for $4 each. I'm sure they thought little nine-year-old was just cuckoo bananas, but. I feel like they paid for my gerbils. They paid you a dollar for all of your gerbils. (laughs) 
have a, I'm pretty sure I have a feeling that I did not understand um, market markup and profitability. So yeah. I probably assumed that if I buy a gerbil for four bucks, they would buy it off me for four bucks. Right. Right. Cause kids don't know stuff like that. But anyway, so I did. Oddly, my seven-year-old does actually really get it, which is hilarious oh. to me. He, That's really cool. Yeah. A couple of, uh, last weekend, my dad took him to this like woodworking show and <laughs> he made, he whittled down this little pen. You like buy a kit for $13 and the guy was at the show, like showing them how to do it. He whittled down like the mm-hmm. cartridge part. How he great. whittled it down, made his pen and he comes home and he's like, I'm going to sell this pen for $29 and go buy another kit and go oh. make more pens and then sell those ones. And I was like, wow, I'm like really impressed with your, the way your brain works. <laughs> you can yeah. Do that math. yeah. All right. So delayed gratification on teaching us to be financially fit. Yeah. Well, let's loop back. So that's like learning how to look at your numbers, learning the courage to look at your numbers. If you're not making what you used to, if it can be very shameful to mm-hmm. look at your numbers and mm-hmm. I be carrying debt, be not making the number that you think you should be making. Um, we have a lot of conversation in entrepreneurial space, maybe especially on online entrepreneurs about charge what you're worth. And it's so triggering because if you're a solopreneur, and especially if you're offering as a coach, as a mentor from your heart, right? Like this isn't, I'm selling widgets and I think this widget is worth five bucks and you don't think it's worth five bucks. Well, carry on. Yeah. And you also to, know the go to cost wall that goes into widget. it, right? Yeah. Go to wall can, widget and buy over there. It's easier to, to do that mm-hmm. math too. It costs me, you know, yeah. $2 to get this widget mm-hmm. made and- mm-hmm. I can easily sell it for five, right? There's like, it's a such an easier line to look at when yes. you have that data versus I am an intuitive healer coach and I can do stuff for you and <laughs> I'm just delivering from my heart, right? Mm-hmm. And well, and it's no like, uh, you even use number. the word, I can deliver stuff for you. Right. Like I'm not calling you on your words. It's that what an intuitive healer and coach does often. It's a change in how you feel. It's a change in your perception. It is. These are non-tangible, often difficult to measure things. Mm -hmm. And how do you price that? It's Mm -hmm. very difficult. And then if if you speak to a prospective customer and they're like, oh, that sounds like so much money. That's too expensive. And like, it gets very hard. Uh, it gets very hard to say, is my service worth $2,000? I believe it is. You don't believe it is. This feels very personal because it's like something of me that I'm giving. Mm-hmm. 
can be yeah. very, very challenging. So mm-hmm. charge what you're worth is just fraught with drama until you can figure out how to press pause Do you have on that solution? kind of conversation. Do I have an easy, there's no such thing as an easy solution. I actually think it's spiritual entrepreneurs having a million methods for pricing, right? Our mutual friend, Megan Alton, taught me one where you write all the prices that you're thinking about doing on pieces of paper and flip them face down on the floor and start standing on and let yourself pick it that way. Mm. Is that scientific? No. (laughs) Right? Um, A lot of people use a pendulum to help decide. Is that scientific? No. I think I have a... A pricing example for you. I launched a course called Be a Money Manifesting Machine. And I used to teach it as a masterclass. And it's a lot of content. And it's a framework that I downloaded like I was floating in the hot tub one day. And all of a sudden, I knew a system for manifesting money. And it all came down. And I got a very clear message at the same time. Teach it this week. Like, do not sit on this. Teach Teach it this week. So I did. I'm not great at listening to that kind of instruction, but I did. I taught it right away and I taught it a few times. And then I kind of knew there's so much in this. It would be better if it was a longer course, right? Mm -hmm. Spend more time on each part of it. So I finally launched it last fall, Mm -hmm. um, sold it in a Black Friday offering and that got it rolling before Christmas. And I was like, and I toyed with a bunch of prices, right? Should it be $55? Well, that's really cheap for a six-week course. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, should it be 99 Should it be 155 Should it be 222 And so I fiddled around with all these different prices and what, what did I feel I could charge? And lots of voices about other people charge for six weeks. It could be $500. It could be $1,000. It could yeah, be $1,500. 1500, yeah. Right? Like I've, I've spent that kind of money, but I did not feel comfortable receiving that. So in the end, I, the way I actually, I joined someone's Black Friday offering. She pooled a bunch of entrepreneurs and put all the offerings all on one page. And in the intake form, she's like, what's the price you're charging now? What's the regular price? So the price I decided was 222 and for what is my regular price, recognizing this was the first time I taught it, I was like 333 and I was having palpitations and sweating armpits at the idea of 333. <laughs> and one of my, one of the women who bought was like, oh, I really want to get it now before the price goes up. Like amazing. And just the I having that number swirl around the 222 was a stretch it already my brain knew it was a it was a very it was probably still a cheap price but I'm like just get started right mm-hmm. this doesn't have to be perfect Do I don't thing. have to be charging the most and I don't have to charge air quotes appropriately get started receive some money yeah get going test it out see how it goes see how it feels mm-hmm so 222 for the first time. And as I'm about to relaunch it, it is, it's going to be 333. I now know 
and I am now ready to charge. I'm not a hundred percent ready. I'm still having butterflies. I'm still having stress. I'm still procrastinating, <laughs> but that's okay. And so going back to pricing, charge what you're worth. Like it's, it's a way of stepping forward and challenging yourself enough that you can do it, but not so much that you're too freaked out to put anything out. Mm -hmm. And there's a sweet spot in there and you're going to hear all this noise of the numbers are wrong. You should charge more, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to have people pushing back. You shouldn't charge so much. And you have to just keep putting your hand on your heart and saying, I am okay. I am worth this. It is okay that some people think it's too little and some people think it's too much and it's okay. And I'm just going forward. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I do so much gentle self-talk that way. I love that. Right. It is okay. I can do this. This is within my skill set. I can do this. People will love it. Don't Try not to panic. Try not to panic. You've got this. You've got this. Yeah. Lots of gentle, gentle self-talk. I've I recently tell- been doing more of that, like massaging my heart, actually. Like it's mm-hmm. not something I really ever did before, but probably about six months ago I started. And what a difference it makes, I feel like, in those moments where you're sort of like feeling not necessarily out of control, but just like yeah freaking out a little bit and I'll just like mm-hmm. I love that feeling it feels so good yeah <laughs> like it. patting and you know rubbing yourself round and round on your yeah. heart it's deeply soothing and this I work with a neuroscientist and this is actually like deeply comforting for mammals did you not pat your children like this you might have rubbed their back but right you know our yeah. shoulders don't work that well Someone going that direction. Someone to rub my back for me again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, un- unless do. you're a gymnast, a you pinch. probably can't rub your own back. <laughs> It'll do in a pinch. Yeah. And it's it's deeply soothing and you can just keep grounding yourself, calming yourself. Mm-hmm. Because pricing stuff that comes from your heart is, I think it's very, very different than my husband is a carpenter and he's preparing to open his own business and hang out his own shingle. And he's got 25 years of doing production and knowing how to do this and creating stuff for other people and proving to himself that he, that he does amazing work, proving to everyone that he does amazing work. So he's like, whatever, I'm just going to price it. If they don't like it too bad. <laughs> I'm like, you I suspect you will find out it's more complicated than that. Yeah. But I always, uh, in my quote unquote day job, my not so intuitive heart feeling work Mm -hmm. of building event registration websites. (laughs) I always say my pricing is a mix of what someone internally would be paid to do that work. And it would take them longer to do it. Plus what I perceive my competition to be, which would be the software themselves. And I have a Mm -hmm. rough idea of what they would charge for it. Mm -hmm. And then I come up with a number and then I sleep on it (laughs) every time. Like it's very scientific. This is how I price my stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And then I look, I, I put numbers into a spreadsheet and I look at how they are looking as a total for the project. And I feel for my body, I'm also a generator in human design. So I feel mm-hmm. answers in my body. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'll look at it and I'll feel into how, how do I feel about sending out this proposal for some of those projects are, have been $12,000 to, mm-hmm. I sent one out that I didn't get back in the fall, but that was a $47,000 proposal. Um, I didn't get the project, but I was so. like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because one, there's always also the, the logical side is like, I would expect there's probably going to be some sort of negotiation, mm-hmm. um, especially in that kind of a project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like, it has to be worth my time and my energy and my effort to, to do mm-hmm. this, to do that work. And yeah, I mean, man, COVID year 2020, by the end of January, I had sent out proposals worth over $150,000. And I was like, <laughs> I was freaking out a little bit about how I was going to do all that work, but that <laughs> well your answer is the work isn't going to exist so yeah I know the universe took care of that for me no no worries um, uh, there are really, actually like, a bunch of things non-sci. there are a bunch of parts of your story that I want to take apart so for sending out a proposal for a big number like 47,000 whether you get it or not uh, like energetically I see this as stretching your container mm-hmm. right because you've asked for 47,000 once, you can do it again. You've done it once. Maybe that, maybe like for energetic entrepreneurs, it can be that you were pretty freaked out by the number, like on whatever level. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like, holy shit, this is a lot of money. And that energetically can make it not really work. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were like, obviously, I'm worth 47. 55,000. It can, it may be that that is part of the secret sauce of whether your proposal is accepted. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, like stretching your container like that, the first time you charge a bigger and bigger number, it's really important to like try it on. It's like trying on a, a bigger shell. It's trying on a bigger coat. It's trying on bigger shoes. Like, are you can you try it on and check it out? Mm-hmm. And I think um, energetically too, I didn't actually probably really want that that either. Mm-hmm. And that's also, I think, a part of mm-hmm. so much a part of how we get or can mm-hmm. get or not get the things that we we put out there, right? I think in looking back, I was like, it was almost like less about the number, but I almost wanted it to be sort of a scary number because if I was going to take on that project and that work, which they had sort of forewarned me that they're, you know, the uh, independent meeting planners, we're like the worst for over delivering and providing like Mm -hmm. way too much service and just answering calls for our clients at all, all times of the day and being way too available. And it's, I don't love that sort of culture and it's really hard, but they like 
told me that that's the way that they work. Like these clients are really high end. They're very needy. They're like, you're expected to like be on. And I'm like, if I'm going to be on, I'm going to charge for that because that's really high stress that I don't really love to take on in my world. <laughs> But I think that also the energetics of like, mm -hmm. it would be a cool project. And I would love to to get to do that type of work again, because it was for incentives mm -hmm. that I don't hadn't done in a long time. I hadn't done those websites and that project. Mm -hmm. um, I was excited to kind of get back into that. But I think I didn't energetically really, really want that work. It felt like it was going to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. than I would have liked, you know, or than I prefer to operate in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole, I, that's a whole part of it too, right? Is your, your energy of do, do you really want this work? Do you want those clients? Do you want the success, which can also be scary? Well, and you've done a lot of work on your boundaries in your mm -hmm. personal life and as you're describing it, my interpretation is you're saying these people have no boundaries and they will not respect your boundaries. Totally. They will expect to message you at one o'clock in the morning and expect for you to be available. And that's not what you're offering anymore. Right. And if they want you to completely compromise your boundaries, this is very much my interpretation. Yeah. You're like, feel free. Well, feel cool. Free if I'm on memory. call 24 seven, guess what? You're paying for 24 seven. Right. So good for you. And yeah, easy come, easy go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk about boundaries, but I also mm. wanted, I heard you saying you're, you're putting down your costs, you're putting numbers in spreadsheets. And there are so many intuitive entrepreneurs, spiritual entrepreneurs that, their pricing has nothing to do with the spreadsheet. And even as I told you the story of my numbers, there was nothing about what is it chart, what is it costing me to deliver this? So I want to back up because I am in a position where I mentioned in my in my intro, I've been financially free for a long, long time. So mm -hmm. I don't actually need this to make sure I have groceries and roof over my head. Yeah. You know, I'm very, very privileged that way. So I can charge 222 for 10 people. And, and I have the space in my life and in my finances to do that. So I did not take the step that I would recommend for everyone of, okay, so if I sell 10 spots at 222, that is $2,220. What does it cost me to deliver this? Well, in my mind, it's nothing because right. I already have the content and I already pay for Zoom and I, but that's not true. Right. Because there are operating costs to my business. I have a website. I have, I have to pay for Zoom. I you know, I have things that I have to pay for. And even though we're going to be able to buy groceries out of a different account, it's still worth looking at that. And I've also watched people who are like, oh, I love being generous. I love over delivering. I'm going to send everyone a gift package. Well, okay. So time out on that. <laughs> being delightful and generous is wonderful. 
and profitability is even more wonderful, right? That Mm -hmm. over-delivering, when we take it apart as coaches, this is a worthiness thing. This is probably a voice inside you going, the content I'm offering, my time, my effort, my expertise isn't quite enough. So I also have to send her something sparkly and exciting and grounded and spiritual and mind-blowing because what I'm going to teach her isn't yet enough. Mm-hmm. So the, the desire, the drive to over-deliver, it's well worth sitting with that. Mm -hmm. right? Sit and feel into journal into why am I doing this? Why do I feel this drive? Do I feel like I have to compete with everyone else and everybody else is doing it. So I have to do it too, which again is I'm less than I have to keep up. I have to be the same as somebody else, which is a total bullshit story. Right. Um, Is it that I don't believe in my content enough? And that sounds very shameful, but like, that's what it is. I don't yet believe that my services are good enough. And this is something that is gentle and delicate and will kill your business. Mm -hmm. The I'm not enoughness in pricing and delivering and over-delivering and excessive generosity is how many bonuses are you giving and how are you delivering them? If it's a pre-recorded masterclass, I have no problem with that as a bonus. Right. Right. You've already done it. It's it's easy enough to grab it and send it out. Yeah. Great. Fabulous bonus. Does it mean you're sending them flowers every week for six months? No, I am not available for that. Stop it. <laughs> not unless well, they're spending 10 grand with you. At grand. least. Yeah. Right? Like, flowers are expensive. Um, also. I'm exaggerating a little, but like, seriously, this is. Like, this but is even like one, one set of flowers can easily yeah. be 80, 90, a hundred dollars, right? Like yeah. for one flower delivery. So even uh-huh. when you take into even like a $10,000 program over six months, like that's actually a lot of money. Like that's a pretty big cost, even one flower delivery, just as a side note. But the other thing I was the whole, as you're saying this with, mm-hmm reverberating in my ear is that you're actually not serving your clients either when you're over delivering and bombarding people with too much information because it's Mm -hmm. too much for people to take in. So I love that you came up with that six week course. Well, the the first, the module Mm -hmm. anyway, and then you're like, it needs more time, right? Mm -hmm. It needs this one thing, even though I know it's not one thing, but like this one little thing I want to teach, it's too much for a two hour masterclass. It Mm -hmm. needs the time. And I'm not going to throw in 17 other things that's going to really like be overwhelming for the student either. And I think that's a thing. I think we're talking about it more in, in the coaching industry, but I think that's a thing that like for a long time, people weren't really feeling. They're like, I need to put more. I need to give more. I need to give more. And to your point, what I have is not enough. So I need to give more. But then when you give so much, 
it becomes too much for the client and, and then your, your clients and your students are checking out and they're not completing the work and they're not getting the transformation and they're not learning anything because they're like, I'm not joining those calls. They're way too much. Yeah. I, I have someone I used to coach with and on a million levels, she's amazing. However, I used to get really frustrated because I would buy, I wanted a coaching package from her. I wanted one-on-one coaching and that's what I was paying for. And then she would throw in a four month, once a week course on something and then throw in another six months of training on this. So as I'm coaching with her for a year, it actually meant that instead of what I thought was going to be 90 minutes every second week, Mm -hmm. that was what I thought I was paying for with the amount. And that was what I wanted. I would also, and then she would teach these courses and there'd be study groups and there'd be extra stuff and then come for the lunch channeling and blah, blah. And like when I, right. And when (laughs) I coached with her, it would end up being six hours a week to do all the things. And what I found, so, and then, you know, like I'm in an intuitive journey. I need a lot of time to process. I actually like, if I paired back and didn't attend things, I would become resentful that I, like I wasn't getting all the value or Mm. I would have Mm -hmm. FOMO. And, but I also realized that it was a way of distracting myself. So I wasn't actually doing work on my business. I didn't have time. If I'm in six hours of training a week, like part of me is like, what are you talking about at six hours a week? But it like, it's a lot. If you imagine- Plus integration time, time and yeah. That's what I mean, right? By the time you integrate and you process, you're talking 20 hours a week. And then as a newer entrepreneur, it takes a lot of energy to get your new offers out there and get all your stuff done. Like it does end up taking all your time. And eventually I just said, I can't work with this person anymore, even though she's brilliant, even though she's amazing, even though her new offerings are really interesting. Yeah. Because it just wasn't, it was not, it wasn't serving me. So like I will now implore anyone who's listening, your desire to over deliver is sabotaging on many levels. Yeah. And when you're trying to overgive and overgive and overgive and overgive, remember that Leanne and Tara have now stepped out. <laughs> we loved you. We loved your offering. And we stepped out because you overgave and got yeah. overwhelmed. And yeah, I literally and became resentful yeah. that she was giving too many things. And it's a lesson to, as a student or a client or a consumer also, to <clears throat> to hone in and listen to your intuition too and listen to your gut and and it's so easy i think especially in the beginning of entrepreneurship when you're new to this world everything's like shiny and fun and you want like to do all the things and i remember i think in like year 2 or 3 i was like i am not i made a commitment to myself i was going to put my head down and i'm not going to do i'm not going to sign up for any coaching no programs nothing I'm just going to put my head down and do my work. And that was the best year I ever had when I didn't get distracted. But it's so hard not to, right? It's hard not to get sucked in. But the lesson I think really is in listening to your gut and listening to your energy and your time 
and and you're you you hit it right on the head like you're it's not serving your business to spend all of this time just learning and listening and being in groups and whatever you're not actually working on your business and it's important mm-hmm. to be aware of how much am I in this program because it's actually helping me further my business or am I using this just as a distraction to keep me busy and keep me entertained. And by the way, I say this because I have been doing this for way too long. Well, uh, totally. I also say it without shame. And this is a hard fought (laughs) lesson for me. This was not easy Mm -hmm. because there's, when you become an entrepreneur, incidentally, you didn't really intend to. I know so many women who have chronic health issues or childcare wasn't available or like COVID came or like there's so many reasons why having a regular job doesn't work for you anymore. Your bosses mm-hmm. wasn't, were assholes. You got burnt out, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You needed to move. You didn't want to live in the city anymore. You wanted to live somewhere small and there's no local jobs available. Mm-hmm. So you become an entrepreneur because people tell you how amazing you are and you can do this and, or you've received coaching. You're like, oh my God, this is transformational, right? Mm-hmm. This is so amazing. I want to offer this out. And because you don't have an MBA and you don't have the knowledge of how to run a business and how to structure a business, which sounds kind of scary. And I don't really want to do that anyway. (laughs) You end up in this weird place where people are feeding you things and people are great marketers, right? This is what we learn. This is the chatter online, marketing, 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 marketing. And it's very enticing. And you end up like, oh, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Oh, I better take another course, another course. And while you're receiving all the information of this course, it's it can be a place to hide while you're building. You have the story of, I need this information, which yeah, might be true. Your confidence. But you're also kind of like putting yourself out there is terrifying. Yeah. Yes, it is. (laughs) And sitting and receiving is far less terrifying. Mm -hmm. So you end up in this space of not being able to feed yourself with your business. Your business is costing a huge amount of money. I started referring to my business as a bad boyfriend because it was always taking, it was never showing up for me. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that. There's, no. There are ways to flip that cycle. There truly are. There are ways to flip that cycle, but it like energetically, it takes, it takes a lot. Yeah. Right? And it, I think it's, I mean, I think it is a lesson that everybody, like we all have to learn, like we all have to go through it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really about like being, being brave enough and strong mm-hmm. enough to say, all right, I did the thing. I, I went after the shiny objects and now I need to just put my head down and do the work. And I'm saying mm-hmm. this as someone who needs to tell myself this like immediately because absolutely, I've been distracting Absolutely. myself for three years now since COVID happened. Right. And yeah. 
and I'm not in a great place. So, um, I love this. And I feel like as always, we can always could continue oh, for another 20 We could talk hours, forever. Cause but... we didn't, we didn't even talk about anything that I thought we might talk I about. Know. <laughs> that's the way all of these conversations have gone, by the way, it's hilarious. And I love uh, it. I'm and that's the whole not, point. I'm not surprised, but uh, like, if I can just leave listeners with one nugget, Yes, please. It is do a fair bit of journaling, right? Journal and notice what is coming up for you. When you are not doing the thing that drives your business forward, which is probably talking about your business and how people can buy from you, Mm -hmm. you need to get really honest with yourself and a coach can absolutely help you figure out like why is it I'm not talking about my business that is the one thing that will drive your business forward like the one thing is talk about your business tell people how they can give you money right tell people what you do and get very honest with yourself about why you aren't doing that and that will make the difference between your business slowly sucking the life out of you versus your business being able to feed you and take you out on dates like a good boyfriend. I love it. I could talk about this all day because it's like, it's so important that Mm -hmm. the spirit of entrepreneurialism is so fantastic, right? Most of us were that little eight-year-old selling gerbils, selling muffins on the street like did you have little bake sales when you were little yeah I right? made cards like, <laughs> right there it is the lemonade stand right yeah. we most of us have that in our past and that beautiful innocent I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna charge for whatever is beautiful and as an adult you get a lot of layers under there and it's so worth having these conversations, normalizing that your fears, your distractions, your desire to follow all the next shiny things and take all the courses, this is very normal. And one day, unfortunately, you will have to put brakes on it. Yeah. Yeah. So normal, but so needed and so necessary to, to really get honest with yourself about the thing that you actually need. And, you know, easy to get distracted by the next shiny course and like, Oh, that sounds so fun. Or that's cool. Or my friends are doing it. I fall into that a lot. Um, but really get honest about, is this actually something that I need or am I feeling FOMO? Am I feeling pressure? Am I feeling like this is going to, like, I need a distraction. Am I feeling not enough? Um, all of those things I have felt in many of the things I've signed up for. Right. And Totally. And it's important to say like, you know what? No, I actually don't need this thing. This is not for my highest good right now. And I don't need to be focusing on that. And that's hard. It's hard to do, but mm-hmm. it's important. It's like the most important thing, I think. Mm-hmm. It's hard, man. But mm-hmm. We all do it. We all buy all those courses. We don't complete them. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We take what or, we needed. Or almost as bad, you do complete and it turns into a new offering, but it's not an offering that actually came, like I'm like this with numerology, that's a perfect example. <laughs> I was given numerology as part of a something else. I did complete it. I did do all the work. I have offered numerology, but the thing is, there are other people who are so passionate about numerology. It is a wonderful tool. It is fantastic. It's not your thing. For me, it's actually been a distraction. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm trying to sell numerology that I'm not passionate about. (laughs) I'm not selling the things that actually are really meaningful to me. Yeah. Which is hilarious because I'm stepping back into actually claiming doing numerology, which is so funny good. that you use that as an example. <laughs> like, uh, good. That's and the it's... thing. It's To your point, I haven't talked about that offering for so long mm-hmm. again, because I was just letting myself be distracted. And that, like a few days ago, I was like, I haven't even put this out there in like a year and a half or talked about the fact that I love it and that I do it. Mm -hmm. And it totally (laughs) lights me up or it doesn't light you up. Right. It's not the thing that's like the most fun and exciting for you. Mm -hmm. It's just so funny. I love it. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And it's zero judgment about numerology. It is a fantastic tool. Mm -hmm. Similarly, I'm not super excited about astrology. How many people love astrology? Totally. Like, (laughs) not your thing. I would rather that you're teaching me how to manifest money and be a better steward Uh, of my money, really, quite honestly. You know, I need to listen to my guides a lot more quickly Mm -hmm. because the course is so good. I'm so glad I finally took it apart. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Like, the next iteration could be that it wants to be a six month program where we go way deeper. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that'll come. But for now it's, it's already growing. It was started at five weeks. It's grown to six weeks. And it, as of last night, it's growing to seven weeks. So that's how much content there is. I was trying to deliver it in 75 minutes. (laughs) It was crazy. I love that. And I love that you're giving it the space to grow and evolve and, and turn into what it needs. And that's also the whole, the whole thing about doing sort of a beta run, right? That first run is really about just being rough and scrappy and, and letting yeah. it figure out what it needs to be and how it's best delivered. And, um, and I love that you're doing that. I'm so freaking proud of you for doing it Thank and putting you. it out there and you did the launch, you put the thing out there. It's freaking terrifying. Mm-hmm. I know it's a scary thing and I'm just here to tell you that I'm really, really proud of you for doing that. And I love, Thank I love you. you I receive it. that because yeah, you know what it's like to put an offer out mm-hmm. and to it's be scared terrifying. to stand behind it. And I love once again, said. go ahead and offer it for too cheap the first time and yeah. like, just get it going and get your feet under you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right. Thank you, Tara, for joining us today. I love this. So good. This was a good conversation and nothing like what I thought we were going to talk about. Such a good conversation, but that's what this whole podcast is all about. Yeah. Well, I look forward to being person number 15 or so (laughs) next time. And we can, who knows what we'll talk about next time. 
I know. Who knows? I mean, that's what's so fun about this. It's just conversations <laughs> with cool people that I know and I love and I adore and I love spending time with. And it's not even like work anyway. So I love it. Yes. And I love you. And thank you for being here. And um, we'll be back for another episode. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, my friend, <laughs> you right. have a beautiful day. Thank you so you much too. for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being here.